Black is beautiful. Black is love. It can be seen 365 days a year, 24-7, and Target is here for all of it. Black Beyond Measure is Target's year-round campaign that celebrates and elevates the spectrum of Black love and success. From the multitude of commitments and investments in the Black community to supporting HBCU students and uplifting Black entrepreneurs. Shop Black-owned or founded brands at Target from home decor and candles to beauty, wellness products, and so much more. Surround yourself, enjoy, and amplify your Black love with the help of the Black-owned and founded brands at Target every day. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond measure to learn more. Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. How we met was the person I was dating at the time, sister, was dating a friend of his, who was dating a friend of his. Um, and she set us up on a blind date and we, he was 18 and I was 19. Wow. I wasn't interested in him anymore. Yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Give him a right some down. Okay. Keep going. Thank God that I was not interested in him and I gave you the time of day. But this was, was, I thought you had another blind date before me, like the week before. I don't recall. Um, So we got set up on the blind date and... I'll tell you what. So my buddy gives me a call. He says, yo, I got this girl you need to meet. I'm like, man, she tight. He's like, man, she tight. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm back from football. This is 1999. It's the summer of my freshman year. I'm feeling myself. I just had a great season playing football in D1AA, whatever that you know means. And I come back and he, he wants to hook me up with a girl. He's like, man, go on a date. So the first time I wasn't available because I believe I was on another date, right? And yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't oh, don't feel okay. so good then, right? So so she went out with somebody else. She was hooked up the week before with somebody else. She didn't like him. So she gave, I guess, my buddy another shot. And she, I talked to her on the phone, introduced myself. And she said, if you're ugly, I'm not going to open the door. So I'm like, okay, she got a little swag. She's from Detroit. We from Detroit. I, I like a little you know, personality in, in a woman, you know. So I go to the door, knock on the door. She don't open the door. So I was like, hold up. Oh, that's hilarious looking at him out the people. No. Yeah, it's like, hold on, hold on. I know you ain't saying I'm ugly. Ah, ugly? That's a strong a word. Ugly. You know what I mean? You're a little bit ugly. I was like, you know what? All right, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to knock again. because I. No, I thought he was cute. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I like. That, you know, that was the first sign of things to come, her personality. So we went on a date. And I swear, after the first date, I put my buddy to the side. And I said, yo, this is my wife. And. Yeah. I, you know, I said that, and it's funny because you know we had a um, I reproposed to her again this year, and that same buddy was there. And the reason we really couldn't tell and reveal his identity, you know, because he was not supposed <clears throat> to be on the date. <clears throat> yeah, it, it, it gets real. Okay, it's okay. That's thirteen years ago, man. She no, she she, she can't be mad. Just said when we did the vow renewal, hey, don't ever tell the story of how we met. 
Well, hey, man, listen. Listen, we bad. were kids at the time. We're 19. She can't hold his wife. Now Christopher. Can't hold yeah, Christopher. Does not want. Yeah, yeah Christopher, don't, don't. Yeah, listen, that was a 13 years old. You've been married for 10 years now. Let it go. Hey, stop seeing numbers. Oh, all right, Christopher. Um, Jonathan. Meanwhile, lose the pen. Lose the pen. I'm writing my notes. Do we need, do we need so to do it all over again? I'm writing my notes. Okay. I just don't want him to keep it. Move your arm. Right. No, this arm going to get tighter and tighter. You keep you, talking about all these other boys you date. So who are you on a date with? Listen, I ain't know you that. Well, she don't matter anyway. You won. Yeah, we're both from Detroit. Mm -hmm. and, and the crazy thing is, she didn't live that far from me. And the, and the high school she went to wasn't that far from my high school, but we never crossed paths, which is probably a good thing because I was a different person when I was in high school. You were a thought. Yeah, I was a thought. I was, I was so my raw oats and learning what life's all about. Okay, but even at 19, identifying someone and saying that's going to be my wife, to me, sounds... that's Dramatic. Not... It was real. He has a flair for the dramatic. Okay, well... She had all the qualities. Well, I mean, I, I guess you were right. But. She had all the qualities I was looking for, so she didn't know it, but it was a done deal. I didn't tell her because I didn't want her head to blow up. She almost didn't even let me in, so I couldn't definitely could say I want to marry you after the you first date. You didn't even the want my date. number. No, I was playing it sweet. I was playing, you know what I'm saying? I had to ask for his number. That's what I was supposed to do. After that first date? Yeah, when I dropped, we about to drop her off. About to are, you, are we still rolling? Oh, we're oh, always rolling. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to let her. I was about to let her go back in the house. Of course, I wasn't going to ask for a number. No, that's not what you know. You do. I was. I was feeling myself, and she already told me how. She already showed me how arrogant she was by not, you know, letting me in saying if I went ugly. So I couldn't sweat her again asking for the number. So I wanted her to give me the number if she wanted to, because I still wasn't sure if she thought I was ugly a little bit. And he was right in doing that because back then. You know, everything was in the right places and you couldn't tell me anything. So I had a lot of dudes who were, you know, you know how it is. You know, yeah, I know. How is it? How it is right now. It's supposed to be for you. Oh, it is for oh, you. Okay. That's right. Um, so, you know, had he have been too, you know. Thirsty. Press, thirsty. Yeah, they call it thirsty now. It was pressed back in the day. Had he have been too thirsty, um, I wouldn't have been as interested. So it was good that he kind of fell back a little bit. So what happened after the first day? Hmm. After, he was thirsty. Yeah, I was thirsty. Yeah. I got out and I got, and I drank. I was thirsty and I drank. I quenched my thirst. But, um, you know, I, I was only there for a short period of time because I had to go back for practice. She wants to know how we got to. After the first day, he was sweating me and it was just, we were together like every day after, right? Yep, yeah, it's like some old puppy love. My family, and we were going together like <laughs> immediately. My family was like, yo, where you at? You you still you still home? Like, yeah, I'm still home, but I was over at her house all the time doing like little puppy love stuff, man. I, I can remember she almost armed my pants that we, she was, you know, I was holding her, hugging her, leaning on my car for about four hours. I had, she put a crease in my pants. We were sitting there so long, man. It was crazy, but it felt good. You know what I mean? It's to be open, you know, it was my first time really being in love with somebody and Aww. just trying to figure out how to handle those emotions because I was supposed to be cool and still be that dude. But like she she made me feel different. It was funny it was because she was swagged out. She, she had just the, the right, you know, swag to kind of like match mine and she was witty and she was right back i wasn't used to people coming back at me when i say stuff now as you can see now she always got to come back and that's what i love about her because mm -hmm. she keeps me on my toes 
You don't tell about the note? I don't recall. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't recall on that. Listen, this can't be the Bart Scott show. This got to include you, too. Come on. I wrote a little note and was like, you know. See, no, no. You try to be a player with it. Don't don't say how you did it. No, say how you said it. I wrote a little note and was like, you know, I think you're a nice guy. No, she, she wrote a note and she said, open it later while I'm dropping her off. Like, I'm not going to open it at the end of the block. Really? You know, so I opened it up. It was a little paper. And it was just like, I love you. You know what I'm saying? So she actually said it first. I said it inside. She said it outside. I won. So basically, I ran this whole relationship. This is really what happened. I, I chose him. He she, doesn't know it, but I chose him. And you're lucky I chose no, you. She know how to stroke my ego, so I make it seem like it's my idea. Like I'm feeling myself. But she just, that, that's consistent in our relationship. She knows how to get what she wants, but she make me feel like it was my idea. She allows me to feel good about myself. She knows I have a shallow ego. How far into the relationship was this note? <laughs> oh my God. It happened really super fast. So Everything, I, all this was within a month <laughs> of time before he went back to school. Yeah. I had to sing my claws in before he went back to school. Yeah. The thoughts are real in college. They're real and out of college too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so where were you in school? I went to Southern Illinois University and she was at Northwood in Detroit. So she was going and back to Michigan, school in Michigan. Middle, yeah. Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I had to go back. So we're very far apart. Yeah. How did you manage that? Planes and um, telephones. Telephones and that was it. Yeah, it was hard. She put it on me. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. I'm good. I locked this down. <sighs> I put it on, I guess. <sighs> yeah. So yeah, it was hard. It was hard. So you're both in college, in a long-distance relationship, football player. Were we all on the up and up? I mean, I mean, keep it real. No, you know. It's... I thought he was, but he was not. Yeah, I mean, I was young and stupid, and I didn't realize really what I had. And you know, it's tough. You know, you make those decisions in long-distance relationships and things like that. And it, it was hard uh, because you know you don't have anybody there, but you know you love them, but the distance, emotions, you know, but, you know, I knew I, I was up and up. I knew I, I had emotions too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew it, but I, but I knew I loved her and I knew that this was my wife and that, that, that never changed. You know, I wasn't on an up and up in college, you know, and I made some mistakes. I can tell the uh, the engagement story, how that happened. Oh, well, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was that was a not on the up and up story. That's too real for TV. Not really. I found out that he was not on the up and up because I thought he was so innocent when I met him. Like he was practically a virgin and he went to church and his mother like he was just I was just like, oh, my God, he's so sweet. How did this happen? Um, so when we got pulled it over, was, no, 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 no. It was all good for about a year-ish. And then I was looking through his phone when I was there visiting him, and I saw text messages between him and some chick. And that's how I found out that he wasn't this just perfect prince charming that I thought he was. I was, a, I was a prince charming in training. I was oh learning God. how to love her. Mm-hmm. So that's how I found out. But you know what? It was just one of those things, just young and stupid. And you know, not, not really knowing how to define what a real man is and define 
how a real man treats a lady. You know, within, you know, sports, you have that narcissistic environment where everybody leans to you and everybody talks to you and everybody does things for you. So you start feeling yourself. And, you know, that was a, a time when I had to try and make a decision. What did, I, what did I really want? You know, yeah, I loved her. Yeah, you know, it was like one of those, you know, romantic, meet somebody at, at band camp type of, type of love. You know what I mean? You go back and then now it's real. And you realize that love has issues, that love has different things that you go through. And I had to realize how to navigate through those type of situations. How'd I fix it? It's tough, you know, because no matter what, when you chip away at trust, it's hard to build back up. He did not just got over it. I just got over it. Yeah. And at that age, like most guys, not all, I'm not saying it's okay or condoning it, but you know, it is what it is. Like he was, 18, 19. 19, yeah. I was young and stupid and just, you know, learning. And, and, and what I've learned, you're, all, you're always learning, right? And, you know. And, but he didn't learn. Okay, and looking look at Because if we tell the engagement story, it's going to be obvious you didn't learn. Okay, we'll tell the engagement story. So he's never broken up with me, and I've broken up with him multiple times. And the last time I tried to break up with him officially is when we got engaged. Uh, clearly, I'm not good at breaking up with people. So it was Valentine's Day, and he asked me to come. He was back in school. He was already in the NFL, and he was going back to get his degree. And he was down there, um, yeah, going to school. And we were coming from the airport or something, and I think his license was suspended. He got out the car to go talk to the police officer, and I was nosing in his phone again. And this fool, once again, I knew his passcode. That's what it was. Looked in his phone. We were broken up, though. Right? She just said we were broken up. But go ahead. Her perspective. Yeah. We were broken up, and I looked in his phone. It was some. I remember what she said. She was like, something about being a secret lover, something really corny. And I was like, what? Spass out, rebroke up with him. But she still came on a visit and she was staying. I was already there. Yeah, she, she came there and we, and we went, we went to where I was staying, which was one of my, uh, my buddies. Oh, and then his little friend who he played football with was like, oh, Bruce, he's been crying and depressed and blah, blah, really running did. game on me. So so what happened, you know, of course, the, the visit was real cold. And I was like, man, listen, I know I messed up. And I, I couldn't break through. And um, so I called my buddy down there and I was like, yo, at, oh, at college. So I'm, at, I'm, I'm in Carbondale, I'm, Illinois. So I'm in college. I'm in, I'm in Seller, Illinois, where yeah. I got my degree. I'm back at school and, you know, it's time to take her back to go back. She was still in school um, as well. So I, I'm taking her back and uh, I tell my buddy, like, listen, man, if, if I let her get out of here, I ain't going to get her back. So I was like, man, I got to do something dramatic. So I, at that point, I had my I had my little Bank of America card, I stashed a little couple ducats. You know, I went to the um, jewelry store and because I, it was a new account because I had only been in the NFL maybe a year, I believe, year or two, and um, it had a limit on it. So I had to use my buddy's limit to kick in to get her 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 wedding ring and we engagement ring, engagement ring. went 
uh, we went and had dinner and I had them put it in the cream brulee. So bittersweet, but yeah. But remember, in my in my heart already, so it wasn't a real engagement. Listen, in my heart already, I knew that this was my wife, but I just wasn't mature enough Yawn. to do that. So you know, but in this instant, I had in case of emergency, you break glass. So I kicked the glass in, man. I did what I had to do to get my woman back. You know what I'm saying? Every so it was a fake engagement. Was it was real. a ring involved. It was real though. Did we have a date set? No, we did not have a date set. That is a real engagement. So it was a fake engagement. So now we'll get to dinner, which it was a cold visit. So you you were agreed to go to dinner. And yes. then the creme brulee came. And then the creme brulee came. And it was like, what is this? What is, what is this? And he didn't get down on his knee. He was like, so you're gonna marry me? No, well, really? Really? You gonna play Why, me like that? No, I didn't. Well, we were say? sitting down. And once you popped it open, it's like, you don't get on it. It was, I didn't know no better. I didn't know no better. I was like, hey, listen, I love you. I wanna spend the rest of my life with you. And some other he things. He thought he was so cool to get on his ashy knee and, and propose like he was supposed to. And I just looked at it and he had this look on his face like, she's not going to say yes. Hey, Troopy Dog. And I was just like, all right. Did you? In my head, it was so much different. It's glorious in my Ooh, head. That's why I felt his eyes. Black is beautiful. Black is love. It can be seen 365 days a year, 24-7, and Target is here for all of it. Black Beyond Measure is Target's year-round campaign that celebrates and elevates the spectrum of Black love and success. From the multitude of commitments and investments in the Black community to supporting HBCU students and uplifting Black entrepreneurs. Shop Black-owned or founded brands at Target from home decor and candles to beauty, wellness products, and so much more. Surround yourself, enjoy, and amplify your Black love with the help of the Black-owned and founded brands at Target every day. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond measure to learn more so um i went back to play she went to school in philadelphia the art institute so we we're about maybe an hour or so apart and she she got pregnant right so she got pregnant and she was down visiting me um in the off season and she was at that time six months pregnant and 28 weeks 27 weeks 27 weeks 26 weeks yeah 20, yeah, yeah. 20 26 weeks pregnant and her water broke um, I didn't know what to do. Um, she just woke me up, we were in bed, and she said, my water broke in. Instantly, all I could think to do was to call our trainer and say, listen, my wife, well, my, my fiance's water broke. He asked me, did I want him to go get a pad? I was a sick. maxi pad. I was half asleep. I was half asleep. I didn't know what that meant. You know, I never had a child before. So her, her water broke, and I mean, we... I called my trainers. Uh, Baltimore has the, one of the best NICUs in the country. Uh, we rushed her to the hospital. Because we weren't married, she was on student insurance and not on my insurance. Because if she was on my insurance during one of her checkups, they would have saw that you know she was having trouble holding the baby and they would have put a suture in. But because she had student insurance, people didn't care. And I think it was neglect. Um, but, you know, soon as she went in, you know, it was like this baby's 27 weeks, you know, 
Um, his lungs wasn't developed. They couldn't see it on ultrasound. I mean, I didn't know what to do. I'm trying to be strong for her um, and support, but I'm, I'm, I'm hurting, you know, my first child. And that's when I became like, I loved this woman before, but man, with what we went through, that love just went to a whole nother level. I watched her take mag, which is like hot lava. It's, 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 it's a medicine that slows like the heart rate down so that they can give my son steroids to develop his heart, you know, so that he can live. And I never saw her complain. I mean, she took it like a pro. I mean, she fought and fought and fought. And we had a two pound, 12 ounce baby. And I mean, at that point, and I, I've had an opportunity to try and champion her um, since then, because um, we're both big supporters of the March of Dimes. Um, but, you know, at that point, that's when I became like a fan. And that's when she became my hero. Like, this is a strong woman that would do anything to keep this family together. I mean, I have a great mother, but to watch like her maternal instincts, to watch what type of mother she is, I mean, it's something to be seen. I mean, she's the best mother I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the way she loves our kids, the way that she's on top of everything, you know, anything, any issue in school, of course, it's tough because I'm an absentee dad at times yeah, because when I say absentee, I mean, when I'm playing football, it takes so much of you. Physically, I, I'm gone before the kids wake up. She's taking them to school. You know, I'm not around. I don't I can't go to some of the programs because I was playing and things like that. And she handles everything. You know, I mean, depending like, you know, one of our children like, is dyslexic. And, you know, I can remember they saying, well, we need to hold him back. And, you know, maybe he has learning disabilities, other learning disabilities. And she said no. And she didn't believe that because he spends all the time with our child and he was undiagnosed. And for her to go through the process and for her to be right and for her to go against the trend instead of saying you're a professional, you know what you're talking about. She knows her child. She knows our child. And just to watch like how she, you know, parents our children, how she takes care of this household, how she holds it together. And it's even now that I get to see just the scope of what she does, because now I don't, I don't play football anymore. It gives me a whole nother level of appreciation for her as the woman. It takes a strong person to push aside their dreams to support somebody else's. See, I do the easy part, right? It's easy for me to be the, the lead singer in the band, right? But it's harder and it takes more humility for somebody to be a supporting actor when she doesn't have to be. You know what I mean? She's a talented designer. She went to school for fashion design. She could have chased her dreams, but she said, you know what? I'm gonna put my family first. And I'm gonna put my husband first. And that's a, to me, that's the definition of what real love is, sacrifice. You know, and I, I'll always be indebted and appreciative to her for the sacrifice she made, not only for me and my dreams, but for other people's dreams, for our kids, so that they can have the best chance to be successful. That was just beautiful. See, that's the, that's the Detroit in it. No, it was beautiful. She got, she got a little, she, it's a jab in there. No, somewhere. it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Now I don't have anything to say. <laughs> she was on MAG for five days. It seemed like two, two weeks, weeks because yeah. if anybody yeah, that understands, if anybody yeah. understands about this, this medicine, it's the most miserable thing ever. They call no, it MAG because good. it's like magma. It makes you so hot and so uncomfortable. And she sat it there and ate ice chips for five days. I was so hungry. Five days. And I, I made the mistake of popping up in there with some Outback one time. Now, that was so 
I haven't eaten in days, and here he comes with a I big juicy steak. Listen, sometimes we so, don't know. How you feeling today? Sometimes you just don't. We don't know. You don't know. I didn't know. I was just hungry, and I wanted to be in the room with her. I forgot. You know, maybe we could have made some lemon ice chips or something. I didn't know. You know, it was a mistake. Um, it's funny though when we had the baby. Was that the time when I played I'll Push It? Or was that Giselle? Oh, no, that she, was she, Giselle. She we were not fight. playing anything when when BJ came out. So he came out two pounds, two ounces. And I mean, you know, we kangaroo with him. Do you, you know. know what kangarooing is? I'm sorry. You have to take off your shirt, hold the baby against you. The skin to skin contact is supposed to help them grow and develop the way they would inside you. All and that's stuff. also the time when I became a fan of my son, because at that point in my career, I was a backup special team player. And to watch my son at two pounds, two ounces, fight for his life that whole month. This was during the off season. I still had to go to work and try and keep it together. So after work, we would go up there and kangaroo. She would go up there and, and do it during the day. And I would come and we would go. And that probably was the best season of my career. And it was, I felt like if this kid can come in this world and fight and not complain or you know, for my wife not to have excuses. What excuses do I have not to kind of chase my destiny and not be afraid of anything? So I went, I remember going um, to the guys and saying, listen, I'm tired of being where I'm at. Protect yourself because either they're going to play me, cut me, or we're not going to have a team because I'm coming for what's mine. And I had a different perspective on life. And I tell people all the time, you can think, like you know what true love is, but until you have a child, unconditional love, and it gave me greater respect for my mother because I understood now some of the things that she said why she was so protective of me. Because like to love, to have a child is like the most beautiful thing in the world. And it changes you. And if it doesn't change you, you something's wrong with you. How did we get to the so, date of the wedding? So we didn't we have got to a the date. date of the wedding because we didn't have a date. Right. Um, it was his idea. Now, when we tell we have different versions of this story because I was like, oh, well, yeah, the baby. It is what it is. We're not married. And you People. Yeah, we lived. We weren't living together at that time. You were in school. Technically, we lived together because I, I just had given birth unexpectedly. And but before I mean, that, she said yeah, before that. We had planned on living together after we had the baby. After you, yeah. Um, we were in the hospital, and I think, like, you know, um, BJ was in the hospital for about a month. And, like, the nurses were like, so when are you guys going to get married? Like, told oh, him. No, nobody yes, talked to me about that. Deborah, no. Deborah wasn't like, so when are you going to get married? Boy, men are for Mars and women are for well, however The nurses in the hospital were like, so what's popping? What are you going to do? I felt like he was like, you know, because it was his They're going to run out of tape, man, on us. We ain't even got halfway through the it story. It was his idea for us to go to the courthouse. Yeah. Man, I've talked, man, talk about, man, I, it was like an out-of-body experience, you know? <laughs> you know, you say those words and it's, it's frightening because even though I knew this was my wife, but now this gives me total responsibility. It makes me the caregiver. It makes me responsible for, for her. And that's a scary thing. That's a tough responsibility because my mindset when we were just engaged was, you know, I was still taking care of myself and I was thinking about me and, you know, taking care of my sisters and everybody else. 
but it was tough for me to say that she comes first over everything you know not my mom not my sisters her and you know throughout this whole process it was tough in making that transition you know it was tough for my mother to let go and it was mm, tough for me wow. because through so many dark moments in my life it was just me and my mom you know i don't know football without my mother and you know she was the coordinator she the one who got me involved so it was tough because i had two women in my life that i loved and i wasn't ready to tell my mom she's number two. The, the reason we went to the, it was my decision to go to Cork House because, I mean, I wanted her to have the real wedding, but I felt like it was time for her to carry my last name. Um, I wanted my son to have my last name. You know, I was hoping she was proud to have my last name. Okay. And I felt like, why, why keep delaying it? And, you know, also, it was time for her to be on my, I wanted her to be on my insurance. I wanted her to have all the That's benefits. That's why he told his mother he married me. <laughs> well, the conversation with mom once, she's a traditional person, uh, a church person. So she wanted, I'm pretty sure she wanted to plan my wedding, cater my wedding, be a big part she of my did. wedding. She did. She told me what colors we were going to wear when we got engaged. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, she started so, planning the wedding. So it's like one of those things where, you know, I didn't, we didn't even tell our family that we were married. Just the two of you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 2005, we got married. Oh 2005, God. June 2005. Our son was born 2005, April 26. We got married in June 2nd. And we didn't tell anyone. And we, and we didn't, tell, didn't anyone. tell anyone. And mom was mad. When she came and saw our marriage certificate, because that Bart tell you, my parents are deceased. So it was like, you know, I told my sister. She has a small family. Um, I have a huge family. And they feel like instead of gaining a sister, daughter, they're losing a son because I was always. Not everyone felt that way. Yeah, I mean, I was always underneath my mom. Yeah, I was always underneath my mom. Like I said, like my mom. But no, had he have told her in the proper manner because they were very close. And I said, Bart, your mother's going to be hurt if you don't tell her. So he did not tell her and he let her just see our marriage certificate sitting on the mantle. And I'm like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. And so I'm passive aggressive. So, like, I didn't want a confrontation with my mom. The, the relationship between my wife and my mother has been a tough, been a tough balance because she we're, we're like polar opposites, I believe, family wise. I have a huge family. She has a smaller family. My family is real touchy filly. You know, blunt, no filter, say whatever they want. But on the flip side, they're ultra sensitive. They can give it. They can't take it. And she's a giver. So she's able to just be blunt, yeah. take the gray out. And my family can't take it. So, you know, it was a battle for who's number one. I feel, I feel in the life and it shouldn't be one because she's my wife. Um, and maybe it was things that were said that shouldn't have been said. And I wasn't really privy to it because I didn't see it. I didn't know like what happens when I'm playing on a football field. And then, you know, everybody has mother-in-law issues. Bart was scared to, to just be honest with his mother and just say, look, this is what it is. This is what I'm going to do. And I feel like had he had been more honest and upfront with her, our relationship would have been way different. Yeah. But Bart, for some reason, thought that he had to pick when it was, it was not, she's always going to be his mother. Like, there, was that the dog? Yes. See her head? 
Um, we used to say she's always going to be his mother. She's always going to be his mother. And I would, I don't, I would never want them to not have a good relationship because part of my attraction to him was the love that he had for his mother. Who would, who would want a man who would disrespect his mother? Like, if you'll disrespect your mother, you'll disrespect me. I'm so have- I never wanted them to not have a good relationship. He had this weird thing where he felt like he had to pick. So I wouldn't usually do this, but have an opinion. I don't usually, you know. No, no, I But my, my opinion, what I feel like is not being said is that the responsibility was with you. No, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. Listen. Oh, listen. no, we've been to a therapist and they told him no, listen, the responsibility listen, he was there. Listen, listen, I understand. He still listen. has not had a conversation But I was about to get, listen, listen. I'm about, are we you still rolling? About to do what? I'm, I'm, listen, I'm ready to have that conversation. How long have we been married, Bart? 17 years. I'm ready to talk to We've tomorrow. not been married 17 years. How long have we been We've been married? together 17 years. See, what happened was, is I think that they thought when I first had my puppy love that it was puppy love and she was going somewhere. We then had three phase. kids and been no, married. No, 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 I'm talking before that. So, but what happened was, I think when we, you know, really got serious, and you know, my life changed. I became a professional. I be start maturing into a man because remember when we met, I was a little boy. I was a I was a guy that was one year in college, 19 years old. I didn't know anything. They thought it was puppy love. She was just my first bad chick that I ever met. So what does that have to do with now? No, no. What what it what it is is like when I talk to my parents, and I'm sure some guys hey, go listen, through this. Listen, listen, okay, listen. Okay, let me finish. We're not ready for a, a Bart Scott speech right okay, now. Okay, no, what I'm saying we is- We want to know why when, haven't when you I had see, that conversation? Listen, I finally just had a conversation about my upbringing with my father. And that took a lot out of me because no matter what, I see my father as my father. Even though I'm a grown man, when I see him, I see myself as a child and I see him as my father. When I see my mother, I see my mother as an adult, as, you know, you know my- I see her as my my mom and I still see myself as a little kid. So what happens is what happened is I had to be able to have an adult conversation with my mother. I always wanted my mother and my father to remain the heroes in my story. I never wanted to tell them the things that happened to me as a child that affects me, affected me in my relationship with my wife. I never wanted to go through that because I kind of suppressed those feelings. And it took me going to counseling after being retired because I refused to go to counseling when I was playing because um, I didn't want to deal with those issues. I didn't want it to affect me on the field. I don't want to admit weakness. We had a we had a team therapist. I never talked to her. I used to make fun of her when I see her. And I tell her I see dead people to make her think I was crazy. But I really had some issues from my childhood that affected me with infidelity, which affected me about being able to put my my wife first because so I had to really confront myself to be able to have the courage to confront my parents about how they affect me and my relationship. And I finally had that conversation with my father. I feel like we're in a better place. For the first time in my life, I didn't talk to my father for a while because I had issues about things that were done and things that happened to me as a child and that affected me. I didn't know what it was like to be a faithful man. I didn't know what it was like to to love only one woman. I didn't know what it was like to to be married, because I never saw a, a marriage. You know, I was born out of an affair. So I didn't know any of this stuff. So growing up, I saw things as a child that I shouldn't have seen. I experienced things I shouldn't have seen. And the only way to break the cycle for me was to admit that it was a problem. And I used that as an excuse with her. You know, so I'm dealing with that with my upbringing, but also now I, I'm put into a narcissistic environment where everybody in the locker room, I'm not saying every athlete, but it's 
is different and it's weird and you feel yourself and you think you're the most important person in a relationship. But really, she was. But I was so shallow and so insecure that I fit in with the crowd. Instead of being a leader like I've always been, I fell in line and I used uh, my success, my fame as an excuse to be able to do some of the things that I shouldn't have done. And I have to live with that. I have to make up with her for that. I have to try and heal those wounds that I that I gave to the person that I love, the, the, the person that I love with all my heart. And you say, how can you do these things to somebody that you love? Because sometimes when you're, it's like you're blind. And it's like you live, football players we live, or professional athletes or people famous, you live life in light speed. You live on a whole different speed than everybody else. I lives. hate though that you're saying that. And right listen, now. I'm not. I'm not trying. I understand yeah. it. I'm not trying to use that as an excuse. But you know, I had issues that I should have addressed a long time ago. You would have had those issues regardless of what you did for a living. That's that's true. That's true. But I think when I say, can I interrupt I, you for one second? Can because I say one that's thing? one. No, no, no. Because okay. that's one thing that people will approach me when they know that I'm married to an athlete and say. Oh, well, it's a lot of cheating. It's a lot of this. I know people and I, I would never say names because I feel like once you say a name, people want to go digging and try to challenge and make sure they're really doing the right thing. I know people that I would be willing to bet my last dollar who are faithful, who are athletes. Okay. So it has nothing to do with what he did for a living. That's Whatever true. issues he had, he was going to have them if he was a garbage man, a, 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 a nurse, a doctor, no. a lawyer, no. whatever. When I, when I and say I've that. met people, hold on, from all walks of life who have issues that he that he had. So I just want to clarify that because I think mm -hmm. it's very unfair and I think people use it as an excuse. What, what I meant and what I was trying to articulate is that whatever you are, money and fame makes you more of that. Now, I can agree if with you're that. a gambler, I can agree you have that. the resource to be a better gambler or if, if, if you're an adulterer, then it makes you more of an adulterer. If you're a a drug addict. It makes you a bigger drug addict, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And what I'm saying is the issues I had from a, my childhood is what I never saw a proper marriage. I never saw faithfulness, me, be, me being born from an affair. So what happened was when I became a professional, I thought that gave me the license to be more what I already was. We went to counseling and this has been like a cycle, but I, I hit rock bottom um, and I had to make a decision as you mature, <clears> as, a, as you, as you mature as a person. When? Okay. I, I had to, do I have to say when? Yeah, I just don't need to say when. Well, you I got put out. I got put out. I got put out. I hit rock bottom and sometimes. You're not a drug addict. Okay. Stop saying rock bottom. Okay. That's so cliche. Stop. So listen, 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 nothing, 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 nothing speaks louder to me. Nothing, nothing, okay. Nothing, nothing speaks louder to me than silence. And when you're alone and you're in a room or in a place by yourself and you're used to hearing the pitter patter of feet, you're used to, you know, feeling the warmth of a woman, the voice, the noise, and it's gone. You have to ask yourself a question. Do you want to change? Do you want to be better? And then you have to take the necessary steps to be better. And, you know, I had to do that to get back in the house.
to try and the healing process, which doesn't happen overnight. Whenever you break that trust, and I would say to anybody that's watching this, you betray that trust, they may forgive, but they never forget. And you have to be willing to take the lumps and pay the price. If you feel the relationship is worth it, if you feel the relationship is worth it to get back to that place, you gotta be willing to, to handle the setbacks and to, to, to relive some of the things that could be damaging. Well, I feel going to therapy uh, and it took me a couple of months to have that conversation with my father. It took me a while and, you know, I just, I shut down. Yeah, it was like, it, it, it was like the four stages of like, a, a first admitting, I believe, accepting and, and all that type of thing. I had once at first I was just angry and I was looking for excuses and other people to blame instead of pointing the finger at myself. So then I had sure. to point the finger to myself and say, you did this. No matter what your upbringing was, no matter what happened to you as a child, it doesn't give you an excuse because I didn't use that as an excuse to go to college. I didn't use that as an excuse to, drive, to, to, to set high goals and I achieved all of them. So the same way I, I attacked those things and didn't let you know my environment become a, a product of my environment, I have a choice. And let me just say this. The thing about Bart that kind of will drive you crazy is Bart really doesn't have any other vices. Like Bart really doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't gamble excessively, he's not an out all night type person. So like when we're talking about these incidents, it it's the oddest thing because I would really be like, oh no, we're good. Because, I mean, I've never had any female try to come say something to me crazy. It's not it's not this type of situation that you would think it would be like it. He's a good man and a good husband. And I've never I've never felt. Well, I felt neglected because of work reasons. Well, maybe there were other reasons, too. But I mean, I've never felt like. You know, like it's some guys who are like, they're not gonna come home. They're gonna be like out whatever. I've had some of his teammates' wives, like they've been, they've called me all upset because it was a chick at their house. Like, you know, I've never had anything crazy like that. And he is a good person. He's so honest all the time, like with everything else, like so on the up and up. That was just his one thing. I used to be very like on edge, very stressed. Like, is he going to like find somebody else and leave me? Or is he, is it gonna be a knock on the door? Is it, you know, um, at this point, honestly, I'm like, I can't live like that. Like either you're gonna do the right thing. For me, me putting him out and really living, I lived by myself for how long was it? Almost eight Nine months. months. It was a very freeing experience because I'm like, you know what? I can live without you. And for him, he was really hurt by seeing that I was perfectly fine. But for me, it was like, you know what? If this doesn't work, I'm not going to lose my mind. Because before, when I was younger, it was just like, oh my God, I would just die. Like, what would I do? Now I'm like, look, either you're going to do the right thing or be free. Or we're both going to be free. I'm going to free myself too. Because if you want to have an open situation on your end, we're going to have an open situation. And I have not had an open situation, just to clarify. But I mean, I feel like if you're going to do what you want to do, we already have been open. And I accept it. That's called an open marriage. So 
either we're going to be free or not be, or we're going to do the right thing. And those are his options. And I mean it, and I'm serious. One of our other couples, uh, the thing that, who dealt with infidelity, the thing that for, for him that it came down to was that he realized that she could be okay without him. When he would come back in the house, because I never was like, oh, you can't be here because it wasn't anything going on. It was just us living our lives. Um, he would kind of get an attitude that he saw that we were living and surviving somehow without him. And it would make him mad. And I used to get mad that he was mad because I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Be over here just like falling apart and dying? Like, life goes on. Like, I've been through worst. Wor sorry, worse. <laughs> worse. Like, I've lost, you know, both my parents, grandparents, whatever. Like, I know how to move on without somebody in my life. Do I want to? No. But if I have to, I will. Because I used to be just really depressed all the time. When he used to just be doing whatever, it's very, very, very depressing. And like, it was freeing, like really liberating. liberating for me to just be like, okay, I'm not even worried about you. If you're out doing whatever at this point, you're not my problem. And that felt good. And I think me, and I would tell him that, and he used to get mad. Like I am your problem. No, you're not. Like do you do whatever you want to do. And if you do whatever you want to do and you decide that this is what you want, that's fine. And if not, that's fine too. Yeah, I mean, we had, you know, we had never gone that far, took it to that level. You know, we argue for a little bit, you know, the house is tense and then we get back together. And, you know, for the first time, it was something different. She put me out and, you know, not to, to have the fortune of waking up next to her, not to wake up and my kids see me. And even through the situation, she still allowed me to be the hero in my own story because the kids never knew I wasn't here. She allowed me to see the kids every day. I would leave when they fall asleep, but it did hurt that, you know, I felt like, man, that she really could leave me. Like she could leave like, and, you know, it's like one of those things when you, when you sneak and doing something and then somebody said, well, just go do it. It's like, no, I want you, but and I didn't, I had to deal with all those emotions. And like I said, it was anger at first and it was um, fear. Fear that, you know, listen, I know when I was 19 years old, I knew this was my wife. And how did I get here? How did I allow myself to get to this point? How can I be so negligent with her heart? And how can I risk losing her for what? For who? was nothing even, you know, it was just dumb decisions. It was like, I don't care about nobody. I love that. This is my wife. This is who I love. Um, and it just like, you know what? You got just got to get help. And, you know, when you try and change as a person, you continuously have setbacks because, you know, you can go to the therapist and he can say, hey, you got to be patient. She's going to test you. You can say you change, but she's going to poke you and you can't react. And I would still react. I would come over here and feel like, man, I'm doing everything good. But just think, oh, you're doing something good for two months and you expect a reward. Like, that's not changing. That's playing a part. Like, if you really had to change, you got to strip everything from the basement. So I was like, you know what? Got to have a conversation with my dad. Had a conversation with my dad. You know what? Guess what? 
I got no more excuses. Can't blame it and make her feel sad because, oh, poor me, I was born out of an uh, affair. I didn't meet my sister until I was 16. I was the big secret. You well, know, my dad. Yeah, exactly. I should, like, I should pull that. And, you know, did that affect me? Yeah. But listen, you're a man. Deal with it. Like if somebody say, oh, you know, if my son make an excuse for me, I'm not going to say allow him to make an excuse. So how am I going to sit here and expect as a grown person making an excuse with my wife? You either be faithful, love this woman, spend the rest of my days trying to tell her that I made a mistake, that listen, the second half of this relationship is going to be twice as good as the beginning, that I dedicate myself to you. I put you first. You ask, what did I do to change? I was one of those dudes that said, you know, you know, I don't know if you remember the whole Jay-Z thing. Like, you know, I was when he said how foolish he was about the button up, the jerseys and all that kind of stupid stuff. I feel like I was dumb because I was the type of person. Don't bring Shane to the beach. Well, we going out, fellas. No, it's just the fellas. No, because what happens is you grow apart. So I, she need to be included. So now if I go to a, to a, a charity event, I don't care if it's going to be boring. Guess what? It ain't going to be boring if, I, if I'm with her. Because it don't matter what we're doing as long as we're together and we're growing together and our interests are, you know, continues to grow together. Because if you're a couple, you can grow apart if you don't include them in, in what's changing in your life. And so I had to start including her. So we just started doing stuff together, spending time together. I set my work schedule around her. I set my schedule about spending time with her first. That was the first thing because I always thought that my way of showing love to people, not just my wife was buying them things, sacrificing my hard-earned money that I work for and just giving them things to make them feel good. But that's shallow. That's materialistic. And I know that she don't want that. She wants my heart. She wants me. She wants to be secure knowing that I only belong to her. So I don't worry about, and I still make sure I give her those things, but that's not the primary gift. The gift is me. The gift is us. The gift is our family. And that's what I had to learn. You know, like I try and make my family, that's because, and that went all the way back to my childhood because I didn't spend time with my dad because he was married. So it would be every time I saw him, we would go somewhere, I was given a gift. So that's how I was trained to show love. And I showed love with material things to understand that that's not love. That's instant gratification. Does it feel different? Yes. I mean, just to be clear, like there have been long stretches of time where he was doing the right thing years. So it wasn't just like thing after thing after thing. So I don't I don't know. But it also feels different on my end. Like I, I used to tell him, like, you know, it's like a rubber band. You keep stretching it, stretching it, stretching. And eventually that elasticity is, doesn't pop back the same. And I used to warn him. So now I'm working on I don't know, like, it's hard for me to just open all the way back up and be like, oh, okay. I mean, because, you know, I love him. I do want to be with him. I love our family. But do I 100% trust him? No. I'm working on it. And that's something I have to deal with. I'm that's really my, working on that's it. That's my bed, and I, I have to lie in it. And the only thing that could... Oh, and he trip. gives a good speech. It's not the first time he's done it, though. Burn is a flare, like I said, for the dramatic. Think about it. The first time or the second time I got engaged and other time I got married. And I mean, he does dramatic things. So like, I don't know what else he can do besides, I mean, at this point. Name a star out of you. No, thank you. <laughs>
I mean, so he got his dad excuse out the way. Um, it's a constant got, effort. He got baptized. Again. Again. I was baptized when I was a kid. He got baptized in summer. Rejection is tough. You know, when you're in the doghouse, and, and especially when you've been in a doghouse as much as I have, to try and fight your way out. You know, that's a tough journey. And I have to be willing to take the bump because it's going to be good days, it's going to be bad days. But that's with any marriage, especially when you complicate it with the things that I've done with infidelity. It's tough. And I have to learn how to be patient. I have to learn how, because I've always been used my whole life to get whatever I want. Right? Aha, uh -huh, I'm glad you said that. How it feels for him to be in the doghouse is he will try to switch things and be mad at me for being mad at him. That's what he'd do. So he would not feel the real wrath. Like it would be for, for he would give me a minute. You can be mad for a minute, but after you're mad for too long, reverse. Oh, that's but then when I start getting into, I don't even care mode. He didn't know what to do with himself. And it's not an act. Now it's like, um, okay, you mad? Okay, be mad. I'm, I'm always been used to getting things my way. I was the youngest of three, of course. I was the fair baby, and I was the only boy. Will you please stop calling yourself the other? Guess uh, what? Most of us weren't meant to be here. A uh, lot of us were from. Uh, well, what I'm saying is, I was, I was the youngest. I was the only was boy. I was the baby the of the family. I was always used to getting everything I want. Okay, yeah, just say that. Even, even, even my ascension, you know, even though I didn't go to a big college, ended up in the NFL, played a long time. Stepped right off the field, went straight to CBS. Went, you know, everything always just kind of worked out as I desired. But then, for the first time, or when something happens, like no, I can't see. I can't. I control the other things to a certain degree because about my performance and the work I'm willing to put in. But I can't control her and her feelings. That's separate, and I'm used to being in control. And and in, in certain situations, I'm not in control. I don't like not being in control. And that's what's been difficult for me, you know, in trying to earn the trust back. If I could describe where we're at or where I'm at, definitely, um, I feel like a weight taken off my shoulders. I feel free. I feel like it's okay, you know, to be honest and just put it all out there and say, you know what, I did this. And I'm willing to do whatever I have to to get the relationship that I desire. And no matter how long it takes, I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. I have no desire to be anywhere else. You're the love of my life. And I will die trying to make it right. And I'm committed to that. And that's an everyday thing. And like I said, I'm committed to making the, the next half of our relationship together everything that she ever dreamed it could be. And that's a step-by-step -step thing. That's not something just like I didn't get to the NFL in one day. It was brick by brick, step by step. Waiting every time I did something wrong, pushing me that much farther. I just got to keep fighting through the storm because I know at the end of the storm, it's a rainbow. And you know, I'm committed to getting this rainbow. I'm committed to being with her and looking up and we're on our 50th anniversary. We're headed to our 12-year our 12, 12 marriage. And, you know, I want to set an example now so that I break the cycle for my boys. So that they understand that it's cool to love one woman, that it's cool so they can see the example that I didn't see about what a healthy, faithful marriage, you know, looks like. So that my daughter can know what it's like to be treated 
by a man. And, you know, I've always, you know, I was almost ashamed as my daughter's getting older, she's nine now, for her to know some of the things I put her mother through, you know, and I'm supposed to be the first man that my daughter dates. And I'm supposed to set the example so that she doesn't, you know, take the things that my sisters may have went through or go through the things that my mother is going through. And I'm kind of have clarity now. I can see that picture as it's not distorted by all the busyness of my life. Family is first. Career doesn't come first. Family comes first. And I can see and I have a, uh, a vision of what I want my life to be, our relationship to be. And I want I look forward to watching my kids get married and being a grandfather. How would you describe something that's either going to go up or break? Like, I don't, what, what would that be? Mesh point. A mesh point? Okay, I don't know what a mesh point is, but I'm gonna go with that. Um, either this is going to be high and we're gonna make this work and it's gonna be great, or it's a wrap. Isn't, it's, there's gonna be no more, I mean, there's gonna be lows, normal lows, because I mean, that's life. But as far as all the other stuff, because really, I mean, we've had, I mean, we just both have strong personalities. So we do have normal other issues. But other than that, we were really friends. Okay, you're about to make me cry. We were really friends and we really did have a good relationship outside of that. So like, I mean, I just like, either we're going to make it work or we're just going to be buddies.